I think all of us have experienced being in an interview where the interviewer isn't that skilled at getting what they need out of you to determine if you're the best person. It's frustrating. And at the end of the day, it happens way, way too often. So Joyce and I take on how to become a great interviewer. And it's based on our experience in terms of what's worked and what hasn't worked and our profound belief that in terms of everything a leader does, putting together great teams is perhaps the most important task. And you know what? That begins with the interview process and hiring great people. So I think we got a lot of good tidbits to take from today's conversation, and we hope that you will find the same. So come on in, grab a snack. Welcome. Hey, Bobby. Hey, Joyce. How are you this morning? I am in a little bit of a summer um, funk because Maine, I live in Maine, people, is, has been soggy. Mm. I mean, a lot of rain and porch cushions, wet, dried, wet, dried. And it's just um, the Midwestern to me when we first came here couldn't stand it. In the Midwest, if the sun came out in the morning, it stayed all day. Yeah, not, it didn't. Not not so here on the east coast right so anyhow but i'm snapping out of it um you and i were talking a little bit ahead of time and we have many topics to choose from and here's one we've kind of been avoiding because it sounds pedestrian and yet it's so important which is hiring and interviewing and you are the expert in that really Although you and I did many an interview together. Yeah, I would argue. Uh, actually, uh, I I think I was uh, at an early age trained in interviewing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and that's evolved. But I think this is a great topic because in a world of scarcity and mass resignations, uh, companies still, uh, their biggest challenge is hiring right and getting great people. And there are a lot of things that go into that, the funnel to bring people in. But that interview is literally the turnstile uh, that keeps some people out and lets the best people in. And I think a lot of companies were not really very good at it. And also, it's the sales meeting. It's where yeah. the, you sell the company for Pete's sake. And I can't remember. I'll have to look it up. And I think it was McKinsey, but it might have been Gallup about how many people in top jobs were not the right fit. Oh, yeah. And, and were less than they would like them to be. So there's uh, – do you remember the leadership pipeline? Uh, the, the book? Yeah. It's yeah. all about yeah. It's all all about how you bring every level of work down unless you have the right people in the jobs at the right level. Anyway, so okay, let's go. <laughs> I liked interviewing. I didn't always like the decision making. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I I at a very young age in my career. I came to appreciate people that worked in recruiting so much because uh-huh. you just said you just said you'd love interviewing. Um, I after opening so many drugstores where we would do a what oh, we yes, a mass hire, a mass hire. Yeah. yeah, and and I would like after eight hours of interviewing, I just went back and said, "We're not paying these people enough. This is hard work." 
Oh. So I have a myth. Yeah. Go ahead. Nope. Well, what level of firing do we want to talk about? You go. You know, I, I think there are some common uh, practices that make sense, regardless mm -hmm. whether it's an entry level or a senior executive. Uh, but I'm going to go right for the middle, like, you know, director level uh, okay. and have a conversation about that today. Um, but can I shatter a myth about interviewing? No. <laughs> okay, I won't. Well, this, you know, we, we talk about a stress interview. So, so many interviewers uh, will literally create not a hostile environment, but, you know, uh, almost like a, an attorney interrogating someone. Mm -hmm. And the whole, whole idea was to kind of see if they could rise above uh, the stress. And I think that myth is, it's like, that is 100% wrong. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, for me, what, and I don't think it's just my interview style. I, I spend the first five, 10 minutes just putting the person uh, at ease. Um, and in a way, that's, yeah, you're, yeah, you have a high interpersonal coaching kind of approach. Absolutely. But I'll, I'll tell you what I have found is in a stress interview or in a very structured, tight interview, it almost can make the person nervous, derailed, and therefore not showing what they really are capable of. Um, I find getting people comfortable in the room is like truth serum. Yeah. You know? uh, and yeah. a lot of times the, the truths they tell you shock you because you're like, I can't believe they're telling me this, but it's because you built that uh, rapport, that chemistry. I'm, I'm listening to that part. And that's the part I think I enjoy is the interaction that can be kind of a surprise. But I think <clears throat> what I've what I've held to is first of all in term what are the most important behavioral qualities or skills or you know essence of a person I don't care what does this position need does it need patience does it need attention to detail does it need ability to put out fires does it need uh, ability to inspire does it need um, sales skills what are, what is and of course you have that usually written on the job description but oh gosh we could do a whole thing on how to make well, job well, descriptions matter well, more but i can't do without those guidelines well there, a couple things uh reactions first you couldn't be more right uh about really <laughs> understanding what is happening in the organization in this particular function and what would be the ideal candidate, given what's happened before, where the challenges are in the organization. I have a great example. Uh, I, uh, I actually wasn't even working uh, at Foodline yet. And I was talking with the CEO. And he says, you know, I'm looking for a VP of marketing. So if you know someone, uh, I'd love to get their name. So I did have a person who to me is a savant. I mean, he's mm -hmm. so brilliant, so creative. Uh, as a uh, a marketing guy. So I gave, and, and he's worked for big companies. So yeah. in the, in the, in the food business. So I, I shared that with him and I, he said, well, how is he? I said, he's such a gentleman. He is like, so not marketing. He's not pushy. Uh -huh. He's not all. And he said, that isn't who I need. He yeah. said, I, I need someone with a sharp edge. Uh -huh. I need someone that can come and 
train the organization about the importance of talking to your customer. So yeah, th this guy's a nice guy. He may bring all the skills in the world, but guess what? That isn't what I need. And mm. I've never, I've never forgotten that uh, because, you know, he was, and he ultimately hired uh, someone uh, who many of us described uh, with the letter A before uh, the oh, adjective. No, got it. <laughs> did he get the job done? Oh my God. Yeah. He did exactly what that CEO wanted. He yep. literally did. Yep. Um, well, it's not about being liked. No. It's about being a as close to perfect fit you can get with what's needed and adding growth areas in that and then seeing if there's a cultural fit. Yeah. What, the one thing I would turn on its head, so this may be another myth. Um, I was brought up in the age of structured interviewing, meaning you identified the competencies and you created behavioral type questions to target every one of those competencies. And while I think it was good at a certain level, particularly entry level, what I came to learn was a, a structure that is that tight, uh, literally uh, can hamstring any interviewer to really find out what's going on with that candidate. And I would, I, and I would argue it, it puts so much focus on the technical skills of what's required for the job. It didn't do enough in what I would call those softer competencies in terms of teamwork and leadership and, Let's uh, not and call collaboration. Let's not call them soft anymore. Yeah. Thank you. The highly you skilled. The extra yeah. high skilled. Um, I took some of the highly needed skills, like maybe, well, even fast pace. I'm thinking of an organization I work with where you don't survive if you aren't fast. Yeah. So I would always like in the job in the interview to say this job requires fast pace you have to be able to pivot quickly make a decision move on because success is a lot of fast decisions tell mm -hmm. me about when you have had to make a lot of fast decisions and how it turned out so i was always you know doing that this job uh, involves the ability to connect with people at all levels in an organization when have you worked closely with entry level? When have you worked closely with top level? Oh, it's it's my um, royal. So, Bob, sorry, we had a little interruption there having to do with grandchildren needing care, <laughs> a minor thing. Um, and we were talking about how you would, I, a candidate that needed to be able to work with all levels of an organization. And essentially, the principle is, this is what's needed. Tell me how you've handled that. This is what's needed. Where's your strength in this? Where's your growing edge in this? And that's how I interviewed, period. Yeah. Yeah. See, I thought you were uh, a like a nice balance because you and I have interviewed candidates before. Right. I thought you brought a nice mix of structure, like you just described, but you also were somewhat 
unstructured so that if someone said something and you became curious about wanting more, you, you would go there. You wouldn't say, oh, okay, I got to get to question number six. No, you, no. Would, you, you, you had that flexibility, which I think as a seasoned interviewer. Uh, yeah, when, when we interviewed together too, or when I, even if we interviewed separately for the same position, I wanted at least four questions that were the same across the board that yes. all 10 people asked or all 12 people asked. After that, and I would schedule the interview. The first third is asking questions relating to what's been said is needed and what's the growing edge for this position. Experience with that. And then I would follow hints that I would get from their answers to see if it confirmed my thought or didn't or opened up a new avenue. So that was the second third. And the last third, and this is where I learned a lot, was what questions do you bring to me now that we've talked? Yeah, are I love that. And that's where I would um, either see a real spark or um, I would see a yes or a no. Yeah, you know, what you just said was so, I think is so important about, well, you've come with questions. Uh, it's your turn to to ask mm -hmm. the questions. So so often, I think uh, even skilled interviewers will kind of let down their guard and say, okay, this interview is over and I'll just answer the questions uh, mm -hmm. that are asked of me. When I think it's a great discovery of uh, the level of interest, the passion, are there questions, smart questions? Uh, or are they questions that want uh, the interviewer to think you're smart? Uh, I don't know. I, I think it's there are some. I it. would often smell profound selfishness. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You no, know, and profound. And in a large company, you don't want profound selfishness. Well, you know, the benefits and stuff can be handled someplace else. But if they're only asking questions about, um, well, what's the you know, the track for this position and how many da-da-da and how long would I have, you know, blah, blah. I want to see some engagement with the content of the business. Yeah, absolutely. So I think those questions are important. You know, um, I, I, I talked earlier about a structured versus an unstructured interview, and it seems the common pattern is going away from structure to unstructured. So I was asked a couple of weeks ago, uh, is there a place for a totally open-ended conversation as part of the interview process? Yes. And, and I said, I can only think of one. Um, and, and it's what I used to ask my boss to do. So if I, if I have gone through the applicants or whoever I'm interviewing with, as we've gone through all the applicants and we narrow it down to top three or four, we would have our boss uh, sit down and have a conversation. And that was one where I said, you know, be totally unstructured. We've asked all the questions that uh, you know, we've been able to check off. I would like you to just have a conversation and be intuitive and in the moment and curious. I think that's the place for it. Was And that was, um, was at a pretty high level of hiring, right? Oh, yeah. We've yeah. been talking director, VP. Yeah, I, I, I yeah. say to the CEO, just have a conversation. Yeah. And, and the, the smart boss would say, is there any area that you want me to probe a little more? And mm -hmm. I, I thought that, that was a great invitation to say, you know, uh -huh. to be honest, if you can kind of 
touch on that point while you learn more about the person, uh, that would be really helpful. I would never at the level of director or manager reporting to me indirectly or directly, I would never, I, I said I didn't like the decision-making. Yeah. Because I, I, I kind of go to, oh, I like everybody. <laughs> That's why I have to have the structure. Yeah. I have to have it. Um, but I would never want to hire without input from a colleague or my. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. No, never. Yeah. Well, you, you know, uh, to your decision-making quagmire of, of yeah. uh, interviewing, you know, we, we talk about the, the notion, do you make a decision up here with your head, with your heart, or in your gut, which is a combination mm -hmm. of... Uh, I do gut. And I'll tell you right now, I think interviewing is gut, meaning mm -hmm. that, yeah, you do the head. Okay, this person fits in terms of most of the categories, and then the heart will this person really make it in this organization and be seen as a good, strong colleague? And then at the end of the day, it's kind of the gut where you make the decision. I am thinking of several CEOs right now. And I admire two or three that I'm thinking of right now that did not hire at all for their own comfort level. Ah, tell me they more. Well, they didn't mind having, they wanted people at the table that mm -hmm. brought big differences. And they weren't, uh, and they didn't create teams that were, hey, they created teams that functioned well. Yeah. So yeah. it's really, and, and um, you know, what's the glue <laughs> at the top level that you're hiring for? And I'm thinking now of about three to five, where it was competence in the areas that the company needs. Yes. And my personal relationship or comfort with the person was less important. Now, that did also create some hiring boo-boos or, you know, failures. Yeah. I, at the, you, high, you at just, the top level, how many failures do you remember? I, I remember there was usually more than I'd like to say. Yeah, I, I, I've I made a handful, but not, you know, did I hire the perfect person? No, all the time. I, you know, there is a no perfect person. Mm -hmm. uh, what, what I, one thing I'd be remiss before we uh, end today is the fact that um, you just mentioned uh, having more than just your self-interview. Those peer-level interviews, so the person's going uh -huh. into a position, direct reports, uh, potential direct report uh, interviews, I, I think can be re really informative. And you, you just have to make sure if you do that, that there's some credibility to the process. Um, yes, that, that the, those even the structure that I said, which is relate to skills, yep. relate to experience, and just relate. I, I, as I'm sitting here thinking, I'm thinking of the failures I made. I'm trying to, or decisions that I made that didn't work out. I didn't, and I'm surprised at this myself, I didn't let it last too long. You knew pretty quickly 
that it wasn't going to work, which is another reason I love when I interviewed to, to, in the hiring process, I love to structure a probational period that is structured and what makes something work or not work. And I've implemented this with a company recently is a two week touch basis because some people can smell it in two weeks. Mm. Oh, yeah. I think we have a Dr. Joy. Um, yeah, two weeks, six weeks, and three months of formal sit down and discussion. And at the end of three months, in a way, you know, and you can fix it fast. Yeah. You know, and you and still I'm, might have candidates to go back to. So yeah. that two week, six week, three month is irritating as hell. <laughs> And you should do it. Yeah. You know, um, I, I kind of skirted your question when you asked about uh, my personal failures in selection. And I said, I've, I've done a handful. When I think of where I have made uh, a poor judgment, it's typically because I became so enamored with one aspect of the candidate. It may uh -huh. have been a competitor uh -huh. they worked for. It may have been a college or university they went to. I found that I, I ended up tipping the scales based on criteria that probably wasn't high uh, in the ranking order of importance. So that's where I've made failures. So and, and yeah. flattery, flattery. Oh, you're so <laughs> flattery. So um, it's it's summer. Uh, it's summer, Joyce. I don't think we can go any longer. We got to. Oh, is that right? Hot. We got to go play. I think it's time. We got to go play. Uh, and I think we've given enough tidbits here on the interview process. Good. Good. It's it's so important. Remember, Kathy Greenleaf said, if you've got one dollar, you're going to spend it on talent and getting the right person in the right job. So there. And I'm going to Cape Cod for a week. What are you doing? I'm going to Oak Island. So we're, uh, yeah, we're la, la. yeah. So we will drop. Uh, a podcast next week, but uh, we'll be out playing. So, Joyce, I'll see you in a couple of weeks. And All right. Hopefully, listeners, we hope to talk to you next week. Have a great fourth. You know, after Joyce and I recorded this, I thought to one of those powerful influences in the interview process back when I was at uh, Hannaford, and we had a receptionist who was there to greet every applicant, and that was Kathy Scribner. And she would ask them if they want coffee, do you want water, put yourself at ease. Uh, and she had this knack for being able to size up a candidate in a way that most of us interviewers never did. So uh, Kathy was great. We'd come and say, hey, I wasn't sure about this person. What do you think? Well, I think they're a jerk. So uh, Kathy was great at reading a person when they thought nobody else was looking, or at least no one important was looking. And she was often the key determining factor of one candidate over another. So thank you, Kathy. And until next time, everyone, Keep cool and we'll see you soon.